So we'll be in Psalm 42 tonight, um, and uh, also 43, and I'll explain why that is. Uh, basically, the author of Psalm 42 and 43 is unknown. It's most likely David, and uh, kind of based on like some contextual clues and stuff, uh, it was probably during the rebellion of his son Absalom, and you know he lost his throne. Uh, he fled like into exile, and he couldn't go basically to the place of worship um, that he was used to. And uh, some suggest that Psalm 42 and 43 were the same psalm, and some like ancient Hebrew manuscripts even kind of have them paired together. Um, but uh, so scholars believe it was definitely the same author because there's a particular phrase, which is kind of like the main like core of, of uh, the message tonight. But basically, like, why... Art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. So that phrase and uh, basically thought is constantly repeated throughout these two psalms. And, um, and <clears throat> so let's just go ahead and dive into it. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill of Mizar. Bless you. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. And going right into Psalm 43. Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me into thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so, so much again for just allowing me to speak and share uh, what you've laid on my heart and just have been teaching me the past couple of months, Lord. Please allow at least one thing I say to work 
in someone's uh, heart and life and maybe um, just use your own word to encourage them in whatever place they might be and um, help them just to seek and desire you wholeheartedly, Jesus, and uh, find their supreme pleasure in you. We love you and we pray in your name. Amen. Um, And so I kind of named this message basically uh, how to uh, choose joy when God is silent, meaning uh, I think a lot of us have been in different situations or trials where we're asking God for like an answer to either deliver us out of it or show us some sort of like insight into like, you know, why, why is this happening? Uh, or it may be friends or just other things like in the world that we're just kind of like bummed about and discouraged. And so I just really want to encourage all of us, like myself too, how we can uh, choose joy uh, in those situations and circumstances. And that's honestly one of the reasons why I love not only the whole Bible and the Psalms, but these two particular Psalms, because they're just so transparent. Uh, again, the author, um, whether it was David or not, they're very just open-hearted and saying they're experiencing serious doubt. Um, they're questioning God. And it's almost like a roller coaster of emotions, like, oh, like, I will remember you, God. And then it's like, but why am I still going through these d- difficult times? And so, like, the Bible is so real, and I don't think we should ever be afraid to talk to God like we would a friend or in our frustrations and just kind of venting our emotions um, with keeping in mind the holiness of God. Um, but that's exactly how the, the authors of the Bible wrote um, just just real. And I think, honestly, that's one of the things that kind of um, attest to the credibility of the Bible is not afraid to throw out these these phrases, um, you know, like, why have you forsaken me, God? Just, I, don't know, I just think that's crazy um, how God wrote his word. But anyway, so I really like in the very beginning the clear, like, relatable analogies such as the heart panting after the water brooks, and then he applies it to himself, like, so my soul is panting after you, God. And I don't know if you guys have ever been, like, super, super thirsty in whatever situation, maybe, like, you just had an intense workout or something, or, like, a lot of times I wake up in, like, the middle of the night, and it's weird, but I just, like, am so parched and, like, really wanting water. I don't know if that's ever happened to anyone else, but once you, you know, I grab my water bottle, I'm just chugging it, it's, it's like, oh, like, you know, I can, I can rest and go back to sleep. And uh, similarly, that's how much we should be desiring God, which is a crazy thought that, you know, whatever activity it is that you're so thirsty, uh, you physically need water. So spiritually, we should be desiring God that much. And uh, just a little more background. So the author is just going through obviously a lot of physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental turmoil. And we see there's constant sorrow. Uh, verse 3, my tears have been my meat day and night. So con- like constant sobbing and crying while they continually say to me, where is thy God? Loss of appetite. You know, if you've ever um, just experienced like serious sorrow, obviously crying and grieving, kind of you, you lose your appetite, or at least I do. And, uh, and the author did. And then loss of sleep, day and night. He's crying. Just so much going on in his mind, in his life. Uh, he has sadness from memories. Verse 4, when he's 
uh, he says, I remember these things. So he's remembering all of his sorrows. And so that's causing more turmoil. And then numerous trials after trials in verse 7. Uh, you might be like, where do you get that? Well, the deep calls, calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. And so I kind of looked up a commentary on this because I figured it'd be good to go deeper into this verse because um, you know, he's applying like a, a creation aspect to his life in the moment. And uh, I don't know if anyone's heard of John Gill. I really like him. Uh, he's just a solid guy. And so he had an exposition of the Old and New Testaments. And so what he said on this verse, uh, when it said, All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. So he says, with which he seemed to be covered and overwhelmed as a ship is at sea. It may be observed that the psalmist calls afflictions God's water spouts and his waves and his billows because they are appointed, sent, ordered, and overruled by him and made to work for the good of his people. And now, though these might seem to be a just cause of dejection, yet they were not, as appears from Psalm 42, 8 which then how he says, yet the Lord will command his love and kindness. So before anyone's like, whoa, like, you know, what do you, like, I'm not saying like God is like, he was the creator of whatever sorrow he's facing as far as creating the evil or, you know, orchestrating certain events. But God is so sovereign that he allows these things into our lives. Again, as the scriptures say to, for his glory and our good. So we never have to feel like God is our enemy or like, you know, he's out to get us. But no, his literally sole purpose is to work events in the world for his glory and our good. And so we can rest assured in that, that he's not uh, against us. All right, and so continuing on, feelings of abandonment from God. In verse 9, I will say unto God, he says, why have you forgotten me? And then 43, verse 2, he says, uh, why do you, why dost thou cast me off? You know, why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? And so he was pleading to God for an answer, but again, he just, it wasn't obviously provided at this, at this moment. Maybe it was later, maybe it wasn't. And so I also recently finished reading through Job, like really, really slow, but kind of like in depth and stuff. And I love, well, it's kind of a, I don't really love that he was suffering so much, but I just love that the aspect of Job where he was going through all these trials and he was asking God, you know, just trying to plead his cause. Like, look, like, why is all this happening to me? And God didn't have to answer him at the very end of the book, but he chose to. And which just shows like extreme grace that like that's our God. Like he does hear us, you know, even when in our darkest moments, he does still hear us and he does still care. And, um, and so <clears throat> applying that to our lives, you know, sometimes I feel like we can be in those moments like this author, like Job, where it's just so dark, it's so long, you know, we don't, I was trying to look up how long did Job actually suffer, and while it's not explicitly stated, it was obviously a long time, and uh, maybe that's why God chose to leave that out, is because we can apply it to our lives better um, as far as how long the suffering was. And so, just a couple of questions um, that hopefully tonight's message will answer or at least provide some sort of encouragement that we can like grab onto is uh, how can we have an unshakable joy that transcends our circumstances and our feelings and emotions? And then how can we have joy even when it seems like God is silent? 
seems like he's abandoned us in the times where we needed him the most, or it seems just like the sun will never rise again. And so from these passages, let's dive into it. So having joy in the silence. <clears throat> the first way that we can do this is seek to be totally content in Christ. Again, going back to just being completely satisfied and, and hungry and thirsty after God. That's a huge, huge thing. Probably, honestly, one of the biggest points here. Um, because from Jesus is the core of kind of the central hub of, of censoring our emotions and our, our this distractions and trials and everything. And, uh, you know, some people might be like, well, like, this is Old Testament. Like, how can you, like, actually apply this to our lives, you know, the, the New Testament? Well, when there's certain, like, promises made specifically to Israel, like, obviously, like, you know, like, God told Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. I can't say, like, oh, God, like, you're going to make a great nation out of me. Like, no, like, that was specifically for Abraham. But passages like these, which are a child or a follower of Yahweh in the Old Testament, applying it to our lives now, we're followers of Yahweh, we're in Christ, and so we can apply these passages to our lives. And so this is such a huge like verse as far as um, how to help us overcome like trials and sins, um, which I kind of like really want to write maybe another message at some point on this, but... Uh, the more we focus on like a sin, whatever that might be, where it's like lust, greed, um, I don't know, any idol, right? We're trying to like beat this thing. What are we doing? We're just thinking about that thing. But instead, if we focus on Jesus, who's the one that can help us overcome the trials, we want to be more like him. Then our thoughts are drawn away from the whatever that bad thing is that we're trying to avoid, but we keep thinking about it. instead, no, let's just focus all of our attention and satisfactions and delights in Jesus. And some little um, verse, like nuggets, if you will, that kind of back that up is uh, Hebrews 12, um, Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 2, uh, to fix our eyes on the perfecter. Uh, it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin or going back to that, whatever that thing is, which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So Jesus is the one that began our faith, and he will finish it. And so we shouldn't be looking to ourselves or the struggles that we keep failing at. We should instead be running to the one that began this journey in the first place. And again, it says, run with patience, so endurance, um, it's not going to happen overnight, but over time, he will constantly keep changing our desires to seek after him in the things of righteousness. Um, another one, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, which Colossians is like crazy good book if you've never read it before. Um, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above not on things on the earth. Again, things on the earth could be like material objects or uh, you know, relationships, whatever, or it could be sins and struggles, but we're not supposed to focus on those things. We're supposed to focus on things above, so our, our hope in Christ, our eternal home someday, and Jesus, who again is the supreme treasure and help in our times of need. And then one of my all-time favorite verses, Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, which just sums everything up where when I'm living, I have Jesus and that's enough. And if I die, that's even better because I'll get to be with the one that I've been pursuing 
all my life. So you might be like, well, okay, like that's good. Like seek pleasure in Jesus, but how? And honestly, I was thinking about it, and I believe it's the same way you can find pleasure or joy in a person or hobby, meaning, so number one, you spend time talking with Jesus, and that can be through prayer. Um, you just, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a, like a genie list where you're like, God, I need this, 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 like amen. No, it's like a conversation with like a friend. Um, or a spouse where you just lay yourself before them and talk about your heart's desires and uh, struggles. Uh, number two, you spend time listening and observing Jesus. You're like, well, Jesus isn't physically here. Well, thankfully, he's in the Bible and, and so well laid out and described to us that we can observe his actions as if he was here and we can and listen to his words, listen to how he um, treated people and, and responded to the Father. And then number three, spend time remembering who Jesus is. And it's through meditation, you just remember the things that he's taught you, um, or that you're reading, that you've been talking to him about, or he's been speaking to you about. And, um, and just thinking about who he is in general. Like, Jesus is the creator of everything. And uh, again, going back to Colossians, like, just explodes the view of Jesus and lifts him up so much. Um, and like I said, like if you need just some encouragement as far as how powerful he is, that's a really good book. All right, number two way, or second way uh, to have choose joy in the silence is remembering God's faithfulness in the past. And that's, that can be found in verse 6 where he says, My soul is cast down, therefore. So he's feeling down, he's feeling sad, and um, just depressed, flat out. But then he says, therefore. So whatever that is, it's causing him to remember thee, so God, from the land of Jordan and the Hermonites uh, from the hill of Mizar or Mizar. I looked, I was doing the version app and I did like the little speaker thing. Again, like when there's words I'm not really sure how to pronounce, I was listening to it. And again, it was the deep voice guy and he was like from Mizar. And then there was another one was like from Mizar. So which, <laughs> whichever one, um, but regardless... He was still looking back to a time that God helped him or he found his presence. And I came up with like this little quote where if God helped you through a struggle in the past, take heart knowing that he will do it again. It may not be the same way or in the same amount of time, but he is good and trustworthy. So again, David was remembering specific places, physical, like geo geographical locations where God had met with him or he experienced his presence. So maybe we can do the same thing in our lives, whether it's a specific point in time or a place where we knew like, yeah, like this is where God helped me through whatever it was. That is enough to refresh and encourage our souls um, to remember that. And, um, and as far as, you know, I know I talked a lot about like my mind and my thoughts and like overanalyzing things and doubts and all this stuff. And thankfully, like God... Like, it helps me so much. And, um, but, so, like, just an example for me, sometimes, like, you know, a doubt will enter my mind or just whatever. And I think, oh, like, you know, this is even worse than, like, the last time. But, again, I can go back to when he helped me with, which I'll just be super transparent. When I first became a Christian, like, some of the things I legit, like, was like, oh, my goodness, what if this is true? Like, I thought, what if Satan replaced his name in the Bible with Jesus' name, so we were actually following Satan instead of Jesus. Like, it sounds like so, like, crazy, but I, I was convinced, like, what if this is, like, a fact? 
you know, and I'm trying to remember some other ones, but like thankfully my mom and Joe, he really, like they just helped me <laughs> through some of those uh, seemingly stupid situations. But again, to me, like they were real in the moment and there's other things I could talk about, but thankfully he's helped me through those and I, I can look back on those and be like, okay, if God helped me through that, like he's going to help me through whatever mental thing I'm going through now. Amen. Yeah. Um, all right, number three, uh, we can believe in the face of opposition. So believe what? Believe that God's going to help us and that we can experience joy. All right, and so some of the oppositions could be our own mind. And verse 8, um, or no, not verse 8, verse 10, uh, he's saying, while my enemies daily say to me, where is thy God? So he's got voices from these other people, and I'm sure he himself was thinking, man, like, what if they're right? Like, where is God? You know, has he forsaken me? And so, in uh, this, and like, honestly, they can come from believers or unbelievers and unbelievers as far as uh, outside voices causing us to doubt. Uh, again, Job's friends, his three friends, they were supposed to encourage him, but instead they were just making matters worse. They made Job angry. They made God angry. A whole, whole bunch of mess was going on. And, uh, and so it's key to block that out and believe God's word in the face of the opposition. And uh, what I really love, too, is in verse 8, Oh, okay, that's what verse 8 was. So where he says, um, in the daytime, you know, God will command his love and kindness to him. And then in the night, his song, God's song, shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. So this is crazy. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. I know I'm like this plucking a random verse. But going back to what I was saying earlier as far as, you know, how can we apply like certain Old Testament things? This was uh, God speaking to Israel and, uh, or his children, and so it's, it's not specifically talking about a, a promise or some sort of covenant pact, and so I believe we can apply this to our life. Uh, it says, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. It's like the Bible's literally saying God sings over us with joy. I know this may be like kind of a weird thing to think about because... A lot of times, I mean, I know I do, I think God's like this this, uh, this kind of distant being, but yet he's so relatable to us. Again, like, hello, Jesus. That's why Jesus came, to show us what the Father is like. And so um, he's literally singing over us out of joy. Also, I believe it was um, the rejoice over these. So that word rejoice uh, different kind of translations as far as the Hebrew. One was like almost to spin around, like spin around out of joy. Maybe you could go so, so far to say dancing. Like God is just so happy that we're his children. And I think the more we kind of meditate on that thought and like allow that to sink in, that will really change how we might view God in our trials and circumstances instead of, man, like God is like my enemy right now. Like why, why won't he help me through this? It's like, wait, wait, wait. The Bible says, in spite of my own thoughts, that he is singing over me at all times because we're in Christ. We're hidden, and his righteousness is over us. Crazy. And um, all right, number four, know your trial will result in God's fame. So in chapter, well, Psalm 43, verse 4, it says, Then will I go. So then, 
referring back to how he was talking about, you know, why have you cast me off? And then he's asking God to send his light and truth. You know, let those bring me to your holy hill again. It says, then will I go into the altar of God and to God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. And so as a verse we've kind of heard a lot is Romans 8, 28, where God, you know, works all things for the good for those who love him, are called according to his purpose. And I kind of said in like my previous message uh, last month where I don't think we should just like kind of skim over that or like allow Bible verses that we've heard for so long to just kind of like become numb to us. It's like, no, like, wait, 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 like, let me back up and like cling to that. And so another little quote I came up with was, don't allow familiarity with a Bible verse to numb you to its timeless, powerful truths. Like we, like we can believe and know that God will work whatever it is, whatever dark situation, sin, struggle, oppression, for good and for his glory. And uh, that should cause us to rejoice, which applying that to Romans chapter 5, which we can actually flip over there right quick. Um, this is just a crazy, and I keep saying crazy a lot, but it is, it's crazy truth that uh, I think can really kind of ground us even more to Jesus. All right, and so Paul, he's, he says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Which is pausing right there, like, which is crazy, that we were enemies with God. For those that are believers and followers of Jesus in this room tonight, like we were enemies. Um, we had committed treason against God, the God of the universe, and uh, we're now forgiven. We're no longer children of Satan. For children of God, like, it's, like these are just things that we can like declare over our lives when you know different voices tell us that we're not, and uh, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And here it is: rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. All right, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations work with patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us, unto us. So, kind of, it's a little difficult for me sometimes to think, like, all right, I can rejoice in whatever circumstance is going on, even if it's super difficult in the moment, or, again, maybe a friend or a loved one that's going through something dark. And so, we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, meaning it's is we're not rejoicing over ourselves, like, oh, like, I'm going to get through this. Rather, no, I'm going to rejoice in something that's separate from me and God, which I think is honestly really hard. Um, but the fact that it's in here, in the Bible, means that it's something that uh, we should think about and want to do, and that, again, God can help us um, to just rejoice in the fact, wait, like, God's going to get glory from this, and so that's going to help me get through this trial and experiencing that kind of joy is way, way deeper um, than a superficial one. And also, it'll be worth it because we can look back on it, which then, again, will give us faith to believe that he'll help us with the next trial. It's almost kind of like this like glorious, like rhythmic cycle where we have a struggle, and then we start to doubt, but then we look back on how he's helped us before, and then we get through that one, and then kind of repeats the process, which it kind of stinks that you know this is just the way that life is in, in the broken world, but a thought that 
God kind of helped me work through is like, well, here's the thing. If God is all good and all sovereign, that means that the way he runs the world is the best way. You might think, well, what about, what about people that, you know, um, never hear the gospel? Or what about people that right now are either being raped or tortured or abused? How, you know, if, if I saw that going on, like, obviously, like, any of one of us would want to step in and, and defeat that, you know, and, and break it up, whatever it is. And yet we might be like, God, like, how come you're not doing that? You know, why, why do you allow this to go on? And even though we may not have a rock solid like this verse, this verse, we can look that he is good and he is sovereign. And so because of those two facts, based off the Bible, we know that this is the best way that he could run the broken world. And uh, I, I think that, well, I know that that is a, a satisfactory answer in those, in those dark questions or we can't give a, a straight answer. We just trust the God um, of everything. And so the last way how we can choose joy in the silence, the dark silences, is to tell your own soul to choose joy. And again, that kind of goes back to that phrase um, that is repeated three times as far as where he says, why, why are you cast down? Why are you so disturbed within me? And so this is kind of like love Meaning, there's a world's definition of love where, oh, it's, it's just based off of emotion and, and like, you know, ecstasy, all these things that, like, like, this is what, you know, love is. But then you have the Bible definition of love, which obviously there are emotions and everything that play into that. But more so, it's the choosing to love. It's, it's the choice. It's not, oh, I feel like loving, you know, my spouse today. It's like, no, no, like, I'm going to because that's the biblical way of love. That's God's love for us. Because if obviously, if God's love was solely based upon his emotions, like, I mean, when we mess up, like, he'd be angry, and then that's that. But thankfully, God's love, again, encompasses that, but the uh, said love, if um, the covenantal love, is where he chooses to unconditionally love us no matter what. And so... Yeah, it said joy may not always be a feeling. It's a mindset, and circumstances do not change fixed truths. So God is still our God and our Father, and God is still our joy. Which, again, he literally says unto God, my exceeding joy. He says God is my joy, not the circumstances, not, oh, okay, like I did make it through this, or I did get a raise, or I did, you know, yeah, I don't know, get a new car, whatever. It's like, no, 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 like those are things to rejoice over, but my ultimate joy is God. And so to kind of conclude it out, um, one of my like, all-time favorite songs is one that's called Satisfied in You, um, Psalm 42, by the Sing Team. And uh, yeah, just signed, is it? Uh, but <laughs> honestly, it's inspired from these Psalms, or at least Psalm 42 for sure. And I'm just going to read not the whole song, not all the lyrics, but just most of it because it kind of uh, paraphrases this verse and puts it in a different way. And like I legit really like encourage you guys to like check it out. Um, it's not, don't worry, like for those of you that know I like metal, it's not a metal song. It's like a Christian hip, hipster, yeah. <laughs> hipster folk song. Um, so anyway, so he says, When I'm staring at the ground... It's an inbred feedback loop that brings me down. 
So it's time to lift my brow and remember better days when I love to worship you in all your ways with the sweetest songs of praise. Let my sighs give way to songs that sing about your faithfulness. Let my pain reveal your glory as my only real rest. Let my losses show me all I truly have is you, because all I truly have is you. So when I'm drowning out at sea and your breakers and your waves crash down on me, I'll recall your safety scheme. You're the one who made the waves and your son went out to suffer in my place and to tell me that I'm safe. So why am I down? Why so disturbed? I am satisfied in you. And again, like in like the, the music and everything, it's just like a chill kind of guitar, like some ambiance going on, but it's a really this good like meditative song um, to remind us. And so tonight, like wherever you're at, whether you're currently in like a difficult trial, difficult circumstance, or maybe you just got out of one and like you're, you're praising God right now, like, like, heck yeah, like this, you know, the message, like clearly this relates to what I'm feeling right now. Like whichever one you're at, it's just important to remember that God is not distant. He is not far from you. Uh, he has not abandoned us all to die. No, he came to us as Jesus. And so, you know, if it seems like he's not answering your prayers um, or it's like he's never been more distant. Like, don't believe the lies. Remember, he's faithful. He's there for us. He declares so many different attributes about us. And, um, you know, maybe you're feeling like Job, where he was, you know, God was just ignoring his pleas, his cries, and like he was like his enemy. Like, that's not, that's not true. And uh, even though God eventually spoke to Job, he did, he actually never told him why. You know, we kind of know the background as far as in the beginning of Job, like, oh, like Satan, you know, was calling Job out. He was like, hey, like, you know, what about him? You know, like, how, you know, if you take everything away, then you know, he'll curse you and all these things. So that kind of gives us insight as to why, but Job didn't know that. And so kind of like in our situations, looking back on trials and things, we can kind of piece things together like, oh, okay, like that's why God did that. And sometimes there, we don't know why. You know, again, maybe a senseless act of murder or like suicide, whatever it might be, we can still be left with wondering why. And then when God finally did speak, he, he asked uh, over 66 questions that all just showed how sovereign he is. And so the same can be applied to our lives. Whether God decides to answer us or not, we can still know without any doubt that he loves us, he's good, and he is there for us, and he is absolutely in control and there's no evil or darkness in him. And uh, like one of my, another one of my favorite verses is Genesis 18.25. And this kind of ties into going back to those questions of, oh, like, you know, why does God allow this? You know, and, and you know, this seems like he's not actively engaged in the world at some points or whatever. Right here, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? That's when... Um, uh, you know, God was going to cast judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. And um, he just asked the question, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And I believe that's enough for us to just rest in that fact that God will do at all times what is right.